Welcome to the Graceway Bible Church Podcast, a place to be immersed in teachings from God's Word. We hope you will be blessed by the Word of God as we discover together what our Heavenly Father wants us to understand. If you would like more information about our church, how to know Jesus as your Savior, or teachings from the Bible, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org. Join us now as we dive into God's Word. And Heavenly Father, we appreciate the worship, the ability to draw our attention to you, to your character, to your mercy, to your grace. Lord, we are needy people. We come before you humbly and ask for your grace to work in our lives this week. You know each of our hearts. You know where our struggles are. And your grace fills those needs in special ways. We come with anticipation to your word, Lord, asking you to speak to us today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. The greatest problem that parents report about their children is that my children don't handle disappointment well. How do I know that? Well, I was part of creating what's called the child behavior inventory, which allows parents to take an assessment of their children and measure their children in nine different areas. Electronics addiction. ADHD kinds of problems like focusing, anxiety and anger, self-concept, integrity. But the one that comes to the top is my child doesn't handle disappointment well. When he loses a game, he loses it more than the game. When my child doesn't get his way, he gets upset. When things don't go the way I expect them to, they're a problem for my child. And, and so that becomes the big issue that children experience today. And I don't think that's just a problem for children. In fact, I think it's a problem for us as adults as well, isn't it? We get upset when we have the common mishaps of life, the things like, I lost my keys, or my Starbucks order doesn't come in the way I expected it to. But then there are the bigger things in life, like, I get a disease that affects my body, and, or I, I lose a loved one, or, or I even lose a job. Those are the problems that Job felt. All three of those things, his health, his job, his wealth, he lost his uh, loved ones. And the whole book of Job is designed for us to understand how do we respond to the disappointments in life? How to respond to those? I think if we can practice responding in the small things, the little things, we'll know how to handle the much bigger things in life. And so today, today we have the privilege of, of the first friend of Job, standing up to make his proclamation, to explain to Job what his problem is and how he can fix it. We need to listen to Eliphaz because Eliphaz has some really good ideas that we need to pay attention to today. He doesn't have the whole truth, but he's got a lot of good truth that's important for us to hear today. So as we look at Eliphaz, let's see what he has to say. As the, as the um, screen opens now, on the stage, and Eliphaz starts to speak. In Job chapter 4, we have these words. It says, Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, If someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep from speaking? Think how you have instructed many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Your words have supported those who stumbled. You've strengthened faltering knees. But now trouble comes to you, and you're discouraged. It strikes you, and you're dismayed. Should not your piety be your confidence and your blameless ways, your hope? Here's how he introduces his whole uh, speech. 
And he's going to reveal to us his thinking. He's got an, an approach to life, a theology of life that's important for us to hear because he has a lot of good things to say, things that we want to listen. And the first thing he says here, we need to take note of. He says, when you go through trials and you're discouraged because of your problems, you need to live your walk like you talk. Job, you're a teacher. Do you teach good things to all kinds of people? When bad things come into, come into your life, do you know how to respond to them? Oh, I need to listen to that. I need to pay attention to this good idea that Eliphaz is bringing to the, to the table, saying, wow, I need to be careful how I respond in life situations. Can I apply the things that I teach when bad things happen to me? That's a good way to start. He's introducing his message to, to Job. If we go to verse 7, it says, Consider now, he says, who being innocent has ever perished? Now Eliphaz is laying out his map, his understanding of how life works. He's going to describe a system. The world is made up of systems. The sun comes up and the sun goes down. There are seasons. That's a system that God creates. It's part of creation. God got, caused creation to have this cause and effect uh, part of it. And so this idea of, of what, Paul, what Eliphaz is saying here is very important. He says, look, God has created the world with a sense of justice. This is system number one that we need to take note of, that Eliphaz is helping us understand. Because this is a real system of God, and we need to grasp this system and understand it. It's the idea that there are seasons, and one season follows another. So if you plant in the spring, you're working with the, the system of God. Then you reap in the fall, you see. If you work with the system that God has designed, then good things happen to you. And so Job is saying, God has a system of justice, too. If you do what's right, you're going to be blessed. And you do what's wrong, you're going to suffer. And that's why Job opens his statement here. He says, who being innocent has ever perished. Where were the upright ever destroyed? Because that's how the system works. And this is true about God, that God does have a system of justice. God does have a way that the world works, that when we do the right thing, we'll get blessed. And if we do the wrong thing, we'll suffer for it. This is a very real part of how God designed the world, and we must take note of it. It's not the complete answer, but it's a very important part. Verse 8, as I have observed, those who plow evil and those who sow trouble, reap it. In the same way that plowing and sowing and reaping fit into the system that God has designed for creation, it's true in our, in our lives. If we do the wrong thing, we're going to suffer for it. If we do the right thing, we'll get blessed. That's what he's saying there. At the breath of God, they perish. At the blast of his anger, they are no more. The lions may roar and growl, <clears throat> yet the teeth of the great lions are broken. The lion perishes for lack of prey, and the cubs of the lioness are scattered. What, what Eliphaz is saying is true. He's saying there's a system in this world that we must understand. And the system is that um, there's a cause and effect. That's why we pursue the systems of God. We want to understand them because when we understand the systems of God, we can be what God calls wise. And wisdom is so important to understand life. We want to work with God's system so that we can understand and work with it so that we can be the wise people that God wants us to be. Thank you, honey. Yeah. I want to be wise. 
I want to understand the systems. It's the reason why you can call a, uh, a plumber who's not a Christian to come and fix your leaky pipes. He understands the system. I want someone who's wise, who can understand the system. If a surgeon's going to work on me, I want someone who's wise. He doesn't necessarily have to be a Christian in order to work. He understands the system that's going on. Science is that way. We can study science because science is about systems, cause and effect. That's what Eliphaz is saying, and he's applying it to the justice of God, which we know is true. And we must understand the system of God, systems of God that he's created in our world. It's not the whole truth, but it's an important one that we must understand. See, here's why it's important. Because the systems of God allow us to be wise. That's why we study the wisdom literature. There are five wisdom books in our Bible. If you want to be wise, then you study a book like Proverbs, which gives us ideas about how to be wise. The book of Proverbs is about the systems of the world. They're not promises. They're God's system laid out so that we can understand them, and then we can work our lives accordingly with them. That's the goal of the book of Proverbs. Today is February 13th. Sometimes what we like to do in our study is on the 13th day, look at the 13th chapter of the book of Proverbs. There are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. So if you were to look at the book of Proverbs today, you would find some very interesting system kinds of things that we must pay attention to. In fact, I jotted down a couple as I was looking at them this morning. Here's an important one. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. If you're a young person today, I just want to suggest today that you consider your friends. Because God has set up a system in regards to friends that if you choose wise people and walk with them, you're going to be a wiser person. But a companion of fools suffers harm. Check your friends is what the passage is saying. A very important idea that we must consider. It's part of the system of the world. Here's another one just from that passage. This is Eliphaz theology right here in Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 21. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. That's Proverbs chapter 3, thir 13, our passage uh, in the 13th of February. Trouble pursues the sinner, but the righteous are rewarded with good things. Wow, isn't that interesting? Because that's the system of God. You do the right thing, and you're blessed. And if you do the wrong thing, then you will suffer for it. It's true. It's right. Most of the time. Eliphaz doesn't understand two things, and he's missing two things from his theology that we must know today in order for us to, to embrace a right understanding of disappointment in our lives. There's another system, by the way. John tells us it's the world system. The world system is described by John in 1 John 2.15, where it says, love not the world. Now, if you understand John and his writing, you'd ask a question right away, because isn't John the same one who wrote in John 3.16, for God so loved the world? Ah, but the world, although it's the same Greek word being used in the, both places, has a different meaning. Because in 1 John 2.15, it says, do not love the system of the world. The world has a system, just like God has a system. But the world system has these hidden landmines that want to suck you in so that you get entrapped by the world's system. For example, have you ever heard someone say, I just want my kids to be happy, or I just want to be happy? That's the world's theology. The problem with pursuing pleasure is that it ends up in addiction. 
If you pursue pleasure, you're going to end up in addiction, whether it's uh, dealing with video games or pornography or money or work or whatever it might be, substances. When you pursue pleasure, you end up with addiction. See, as Christians, pleasure is a byproduct of a mission-oriented view of life. We know we're going to experience pleasure, but it's not because we pursue it. It's because we pursue God and we seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these things will follow. The world wants to distract us, wants to take us away. And the world puts out its system of wisdom that says, hey, follow this. And we think it's wise, but we find ourselves in trouble. Well, Eliphaz now is going to have this revelation he describes in the next verses. He says in verse 12, maybe you've had this experience before. He says, a word was secretly brought to me. My ears caught a whisper of it. Amid disquieting dreams in the night when deep sleep falls on people. Fear and trembling seized me and made all my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face, and the hair on my body stood on end. He's having this kind of in-the-middle-of-the-night experience. It stopped, but I could not tell what it was. A form stood before my eyes, and I heard a hushed voice. And here's his conclusion. Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can even a strong man be more pure than his maker? Eliphaz has come to the conclusion, if God has a just world, and if you do what's right, you'll receive blessing, and if you do the wrong thing, you'll get suffering, then, oh, Job, the conclusion is, you must be doing the wrong thing. That's his conclusion. Because God has a system of justice. Now, this system of justice is very important. Uh, Young people, I want you to listen to this for a minute, because you're going to be taught in our churches that if you do the right thing, you're going to be blessed. And that if you do the wrong thing, you're going to suffer. Because that's true. It is the system of God. You're going to be taught that. It's only part of the truth, but you're going to be taught that. And you're going to go away in life, and you're going to start doing life, and bad things are going to happen. And what are you going to do in that moment? When bad things happen to you, how are you going to respond in that moment? There are too many people who say, well, if bad things are happening to me, the system doesn't work. I'm going to reject God. I'm going to walk away from him because I'm trying to do what's right and I don't get what I expect to get. I have this attitude of entitlement that says God owes me something, and when we have that attitude of God, uh, toward God, we're embracing the Eliphaz theology of life. It's true, it's just not complete. We must have the other two ingredients that Eliphaz misses. Let's go on in verse 18. If God places no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more will those who live in houses of clay, whose foundations are in the dust, who are crushed more readily than a moth? Between dawn and dusk they are broken to pieces, unnoticed they perish forever. Are not the cords of their tents pulled up so that they die with, without wisdom? You're going to see the word wise and foolish used here. Because the person who's wise gets blessed, and the foolish suffer. That's Eliphaz's message here, and it is true. So that's why we study wisdom. We want to become more wise, because we want the blessings that come with being wise. He goes on in verse 1 of chapter 5. He says this, Call if you will, but who will answer? To which of the holy ones will you turn? Now he's going to describe the fool and all the bad things that happen to a fool. We should pay attention, lest we be like fools. We don't want to do that. Resentment kills a fool, and envy slays the simple. I myself have seen a fool taking root, but suddenly his house was cursed. His children are far from safety, crushed in a court without a defender. The hungry consume his harvest, tanging it even from among thorns, and the thirsty pant after his wealth. For hardship does not spring from the soil, 
nor does trouble sprout from the ground. That's the system. You know, if, you, if you're working the ground, you're going to have crops. You're not going to have a problem. Yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upwards. Sparks fly upwards. When you hit the log in the fire, the sparks go up. That's just a system in the world. You can count on it. That's what's going to take place. And if you are suffering, it's because you've sinned. That's Eliphaz's, uh, that's his conclusion as he's sharing that with us. Now in verse 8, he's going to um, give us some advice of what to do next. He's going to tell Job, because of the system of God, you need to think now, God is just, and when you do the wrong thing, you get cursed. You, are, you suffer, and when you do the right thing, you're blessed. And we need to rely on, I am so grateful for the justice of God. It is a system that he's created, and it's a powerful one. And we don't want to um, eliminate it because he only has part of the truth. Eliphaz is right. He's just not complete. So he's going to give the, the guidance now to Job. He says, but if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. He performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that not, cannot be counted. Eliphaz says, I'm going to introduce you to system number two. Because when you have failed and you've made a mistake and you're suffering because of your sin then God has a system for that. And we need that system today. This is the system of God's mercy. And maybe you're here today and, and you realize that the suffering you're experiencing, you're experiencing because you messed up. You've sinned. You didn't follow the wisdom of God and so you have a problem going on in your life that's painful. And that's when we fall on this second system, the mercy of God. Listen to how God's mercy is described here. This is so comforting when you've messed up in life. You call on the mercy of God, and this is what it says. Verse 10, he provides rain for the earth. He sends water on the countryside. This is like any system. It does these things. The lowly he sets on high, and those who mourn are lifted to safety. He thwarts the plans of the crafty so that their hands achieve no success. He catches the wise in their craftiness and the schemes of the wily are swept away. Darkness comes upon them in the daytime and noon they grope as in the night. He saves the needy from the sword in their mouth. He saves them from the clutches of the powerful so the poor have hope and injustice shuts its mouth. Injustice shuts its mouth. Injustice is a system of God that we rely on. It is great because our God is just. But it sure feels bad when we've done the wrong thing. And when we've done the wrong thing, we have another system we can call on, says Eliphaz, and he is true. When we've done the wrong thing, we can call on the system of the mercy of God. Those mercies of God are so big that they're bigger than any sin that we've ever committed that we can trust in our God and we can rely on him because of his mercy and it will lift up the lowly and so on as it's described in this passage. What a beautiful statement. So, verse 17, it's time for you, Job, to be corrected. And let me say that, that if you find yourself in sin today and you're suffering because of the sin, then you want to receive the correction of God. It's a beautiful thing when God disciplines us. Sometimes it involves pain and suffering. But if we understand that the discipline of God, as Eliphaz is describing here, we learn some great things about him. He says this in verse 17. Blessed is the one whom God corrects. 
So do not despise the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. From six calamities he will rescue, and seven no harm will touch you. In famine he will deliver you from death. In the battle from the stroke of the sword you will be protected from the lash of the tongue and need not fear when destruction comes. You will laugh at destruction and famine and need not fear the wild animals. For you will have a covenant with the stones of the field and the wild animals will be at peace with you. You will know that your tent is secure. You will take stock of your property and find nothing missing. He ends the chapter by saying this, or he ends his speech this way. He says, you will know that your children will be many and your descendants like the grass of the earth. You will come to the grave in full vigor like sheaves gathered in season. We have examined this and it is true. And he's right, it is true. God's mercy is so powerful. So hear it and apply it to yourself, he says. So first we have the system of God, of his justice, and we live by the justice of God. I believe in the justice of God and I want to commit myself to his justice. And I want to live by his truth. When I mess up, I need to appeal to the mercy of God. And when I appeal to the mercy of God, God does something in my soul that blesses me and he works in my heart. And so we throw ourselves on the mercy of God. But Eliphaz is missing two things. I have to tell you what they are. Because sometimes, as in Job's case, you didn't do anything wrong. And bad things are happening in your life. And you can't blame God for them. And you can't look at yourself and say, oh, I must have done something wrong. Because sometimes we didn't do anything wrong and we're still suffering. So we need two things that Eliphaz is missing. I'm going to tell you what they are. The first one is to recognize that God's systems get broken because of sin. That the systems all, don't all work because we don't live in a perfect world yet. We will because God is going to have this new heaven and a new earth where things will be perfect, but they aren't perfect now. Because what happens now? What happens now is that you plant in the spring and there are weeds and there's storms and there's disease. So then in the fall, you might not harvest. We live in an imperfect world. We live in a world of brokenness. And sometimes the very pain that you're experiencing isn't your fault. Sometimes the pain you're experiencing is caused by the sin of other people. By the sin of just living in a world that's broken, we sometimes experience pain and bad things happen to us. We must understand this whole idea of, the, of how sin has so broken our world. It really humbles us. There's a lot of people who think they're, they rely on the justice of God. They start saying, well, if I do this, I'm going to get that. Oh, I do this, and I'm going to get that. And it starts to work for them. And they start to grow wealth, and they start to have things, and they start to have friends. And good things start happening in their lives. And they start to say, wow, I just need the system that God created in his world. That's all I need, because I'm doing great. They rely on the justice system of God without recognizing that, who are we? We are nothing. And, and there comes a time then when bad things happen. You go, wait a minute. I did all the things right, and this happens to me? I don't understand this. It's at this moment, young people, you must understand this idea. Because when bad things happen to you, you must understand not only is this world a broken place, but the second thing that Aliphaz is missing is the value of the grace of God. That God's grace comes along in our lives and helps us deal with every form of brokenness. That grace is, is not only salvation, it is that. That we recognize we've messed up in our lives. When we've recognized that we've sinned, we call on the mercy of God. 
and God's grace allows us to get saved. He allows us salvation in our own lives. But grace is much bigger than that, isn't it? And many of you know this. Many of you are living on God's grace every day. You need the grace just to deal with the pain you're experiencing, with the challenges that you face, the struggles and relationships that you have with your physical body. You're just dealing with God's grace every day. We need to understand God's grace in all of its magnitude. The more we understand God, the brokenness of our, our world, the more we need God's grace. That's why... 2 Peter 3.18 says these words. It says, now I want to warn you, be careful. You don't be just ignorant of these things. He says, grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I think it's a growing experience. I'm growing in grace. Grace is the ability to take God and all his, his, his uh, character and apply it to the daily situations of my life. I need to grow in grace in my life, and I'm sure you do too. And so as we gather together as a group of believers, we're, we're sharing our challenges with each other and we're praying for each other that God's grace will step in and do what it needs to do in order to bring us the, the miracles that God wants to do. It's not just about God's mercy. We need God's mercy too because we do mess up. We do sin. We do cause our own problems. And in those cases, we call on the mercy of God. But there's sometimes, like with Job, he didn't do anything wrong to cause all of this pain. He needed the grace of God, and Eliphaz doesn't offer that to him. He only offers him the justice of God and the mercy of God. But we need to understand that God also offers us the grace that we need to live every day in our lives. I got to tell you the story about my friend Tim Brown. I had just worked on this sermon, and... Uh, and I'm just excited to be able to share it with you and because I'm thinking, this is really great stuff. Uh, Lord, you've teaching me some really important things. I need this. And I close my Bible and set it aside, and I'm working for about 20 minutes. And I get a text from Tim Brown. I love Tim Brown. Tim Brown worked for me for a while. I liked him because he's, he's the most ethical guy I know. I mean, he wants to do everything right. He understands God's systems. He's an engineer. All engineers understand the systems uh, of God, the, the justice system, how cause and effect work. That's why they're engineers. And he's an engineer, and his text read this way. I was let go from my job last week. Oh, I picked up the phone right away. And I said, oh, Tim, I'm so sorry. What happened? Oh, I, I know that getting a job is the hardest thing you can do. And, and Tim told me, yeah, I know. I, I, I'd sent out 100 applications to different jobs before I got this job. And I had rejoiced with him when he got that job because it was just what he was looking for and God had provided him just this great job. So I said to him, what happened? Did you do something wrong? Because I think we, that's the first question we always have to ask ourselves when problems come into our lives. Did I do something wrong? Tim, did you do something wrong? He says, I don't think so. There were a number of misunderstandings that took place, he said. And my boss had some personal problems, and I think he was jealous of me, and, and I tried to build him up and do things, but it just didn't work. And so they let me go. And I said, oh, Tim, I am so sorry. Can I share with you some scripture that God's been teaching me? And I got out this passage of scripture, and I, I re-preached it to Tim that morning. And he, he says, when I'm done, he says, 
How did you know what to say to me? Do you have this written on your iPhone there somewhere? Somebody loses a job, you just open it up and you start telling them this information? I said to him, no, this is what God is doing in my life this week. And uh, this is part of my sermon for Sunday. He says, well, I want to hear that sermon. I, I want to, so he'll be tuning in to hear the sermon from today because he knows this. He knows that he needs the grace of God right now as he doesn't have a job now and he's going to be looking for another one. I don't know where God has you right now, but I do know that it's not all about the justice and the systems of the, the justice system of the world. It's also about God's grace that we need. And that's the message that Job needed in his life. He needed to understand that. You see, if we look at the five books, the wisdom books, we see that the book of Proverbs is the book where we learn more about how to work with God's systems. The book of Ecclesiastes is very different because Solomon takes those Ecclesiastes uh, systems and he, he follows them all to their end. I followed work, and it was vanity. There was no meaning there. I followed pleasure. There was no meaning there. I followed wealth. There was no meaning there. So the book of Ecclesiastes is there to show us that the systems of God are empty when you follow them by themselves. We all need that message because you're not going to find meaning in the systems, those systems of God. That's why we have in the wisdom literature the Song of Solomon and the book of Psalms which are all about coming close to God, getting to know Him intimately, knowing that that's where true meaning is found in life. And then we have the book of Job. The book of Job is designed to help us know what do we do when the systems don't work? How should we think? And if we apply the things that we learn from the book of Job to our understanding of our daily lives, we're going to know how to live. We're going to know how to deal with the unexpected disappointments of life. And we practice in the small things. So when your order's messed up at Starbucks, the way you handle that will prepare you for the bigger things that come in life. We all need the grace of God. And the grace is readily available, and we're going to grow in it as we continue on. That's the message that Job needed, that Eliphaz had partly right, but he didn't get the whole idea. We have that whole idea. We need it for this week. I need it this week. I trust that you do too. Let's pray together. So Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for your grace just the grace to speak this morning. I'm grateful for that. And I ask, Lord, that you would bless each of us today. As we come to a greater understanding of your interaction in our challenges, I pray that you, wouldn't, you would help us to not be overwhelmed with guilt in our lives, that maybe we need your mercy and your forgiveness. Maybe we just need to grab hold of your grace more, but I ask for each of my brothers and sisters here, Lord, that you would empower them with your spirit's wisdom and grace today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thank you for sharing in this message. We pray it will make a difference in your life. Please consider joining us for our Sunday morning and evening worship services. For location and more information, visit our website, www.gracewaybc.org, and listen next time to learn more. May the God of peace richly bless you through his Son, Jesus Christ.